0: You are listening to the Next Play Podcast, the playbook for high-performing leaders who want to exceed their full potential. From walking on the Ole Miss football team at 5,750 pounds and earning a full D1 scholarship to coaching thousands around the world and working with massive organizations like IBM. I've learned countless lessons that I'll be sharing right here with you. Join me as I interview some of the most successful people so you too can can learn how to focus on always moving forward by deciding, planning, and executing on the next play relentlessly. This is Richie Contartesi with the Next Play Podcast, and today we have a very special guest. His name is Kunal Seth. He has built quite an empire in the real estate world both as an agent and as a business owner. And today he coaches business owners, entrepreneurs, and employees on how to take full control of their financial independence and build a wealthy future By having an action plan and through a first generation mindset, which I know we're going to pick apart today, he empowers individuals to stop holding themselves back with the thought of safety nets and plan B's and approach their future with the ambition and action plan of someone who has no choice but to succeed like himself he's uh, built quite an empire of EXP he's got 140 uh, roughly his company internally has about 38 people on his team um, and he's continuing to grow very very fast so uh, Kunal uh, really really lucky to have you on so I appreciate you being here.
1: Richie thanks for having me on the podcast super excited to share with you my journey my wins my losses my lessons learned. To the listeners of your podcast
0: yeah yeah and i'm definitely going to dive into that because i think there's there's a, there's going to be a lot of big takeaways I'm, I'm really excited um as well so um let's just start let's just start with the simplest of it um Kunal, how did you get into business and then i want to really dive into a lot of the tacticals and stuff like that but how did you get into business
1: so my background is i came to us to go to grad school worked in corporate america for over a decade but I'm the kind of person, I need to be doing something at all times. So my last job, I worked for an oil and gas company, where I would travel all over the world, I would get one month off and one month on, on-off schedule. So in my downtime, I said, you know what, let me get my real estate license. And I started doing real estate part-time in 2013. In those six, eight months, what I saw in terms of success, potential, I saw the sky was the limit. So end of 2013, I left corporate America, I started doing real estate full-time. So, 2014, I partnered with my brother-in-law and started the real estate team out of a Texas market.
0: Nice, nice. And that was for REMAX, right? Correct.
1: So, my brother-in-law was a veteran REMAX for 20 years in Boston. He moved from Boston to Houston. He joined REMAX. When I got my license, I said, let me hang my license with REMAX as well. So, we were with them as a team from 2014 to 2018.
0: Got it. And now, so are, was it? do you do real estate investing as well or just selling homes as an agent?
1: Well, if you're a licensed realtor, we see opportunities in the market before anyone else does. Right. So as a realtor, I take advantage of those opportunities all the time. If it's, it's a great deal, why don't I buy that home? So over the years, I've acquired a few assets in the Texas market. So yes, I do my own investments, both residential and commercial, but primarily my team services clients and helping making the right financial decision in real estate.
0: Got it. Okay, so and so, what, what made you transition to, from REMAX, which is well-known, to, to eXp?
1: Sure. So e, eXp is a great, relatively new company, about 14 years old, but REMAX, Calaway, great brand, great companies. Over the years, I realized if you want to be successful in real estate, it's not about the brand behind you, but what brand you build for yourself. Right. So when I was a brand new agent in 2014, we created these marketing campaigns, open our signs, two feet by three feet that had our logo on it, so set for those logos, and we would blast the market, with open our signs and marketing, all of those things. Over the years, we realized we had success because of our brand, and the brand behind us, Remax, Keller, EXP, did not matter. So as we were growing a team and organization, Richie, we primarily had three roadblocks, with, a, with the Remax model. First one, cost of doing business. As a successful realtor, I could pay all my bills to Remax on a monthly basis. But when I was recruiting a brand new talent onto the team, they were expected to pay a chunk of change every month to Remax, whether they were producing or not producing. That is a roadblock for new agents. They don't have money lying around to pay to a Remax or pay to a Keller Williams. Second roadblock, with the Remax kind of a company, it's a franchise-based company, which means if there's a Remax office in a specific market or zip code, if you want to open an office in the same zip code or market area, you cannot do that because it's franchise-based. There has to be a, a territory where they approve another Remax office opening. Mm-hmm. Third one, which was over the years with the office that I was part of, their policy was they would not hire a brand new agent into the office unless you joined a team. So I would recruit brand new rookies, agents into my team, train them, coach them, mentor them, make them successful. To me, success means you got to earn at least $100,000 in commission. But once they will reach that level of success, they would say, you know what? I don't need the Seth brothers. And they will leave the team and go join Remax. So over the years, as we were growing, doing mm-hmm. more and more in production, we realized our long-term growth was not aligned with a franchise-based model, which happened to be with Remax. So 2018, our team sold about 240 homes. We did about 68 million sales volume. And we were this close to going independent, starting our own real estate company, Seth Brothers Realty. So the cost, no barrier. It would be low because it's our company. Location, I can open office anywhere. But third one, recruiting agents into my own brokerage. In time, they would also leave my brokerage. But my presence is in the Houston market. I'm not known beyond Houston. Agent attraction building organization with Sylvia Roadblock. And here it came along EXP. EXP says low cost of doing business. I can open office anywhere in the country, let alone in Houston, Texas. Third one, they have a revenue share model. I have an ecosystem. Some agents join the Seth Brothers team. Some agents join EXP and some train and coach mentor move from one part to the other part. But essentially, when I have 198 people associate with me. Their success becomes my success. Even when they leave my team, their financial interest is my best interest. So over the years, we realized the model of having a virtual real estate company like EXP is more aligned with long-term success for the team.
0: Yeah, because they could be anywhere. So how do you go about keeping your keeping this this group of 198 people organized and producing? And like, how do you do that? How are you doing that?
1: So most of these. Agents that we have in the organization, about say 80, 90% are Houston-based. Some are in different cities, different states. You know, a couple of them are in Mexico, Colombia, India, South Africa.
0: Oh, oh it's all over the world. All over the world. Oh,
1: the oh. EXP actually is in 21 countries today. It's become a global company with over 80,000 agents. So to answer your question, you know, EXP is a virtual real estate company. It's a Netflix real estate. It's the Amazon real estate. So we have a lot of virtual training, coaching, mentorship that we do. Three years back, Richie, if someone told me, get on a Zoom call, i like, Zoom? (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) I have no idea what Zoom is, but today it's, it's like second language. It's like Uber, same thing. So when we have the virtual platform, the training, coaching, mentorship, the engagement, we all do it virtually. But I personally have a big office, physical office in Houston, Texas. On a weekly basis, we have team meetings over here. We bring in business coaches, mentors. So we're almost like a hybrid exp a virtual company what we made the decision of having a physical space this way we can collaborate more bring people in and that's why training coaching agents doing role plays allows them to get more success on a daily basis
0: yeah absolutely so how, how do you set that up internally like do you um is it something that you do weekly with them monthly or is it all pre-recorded is it what exp provides or is this something you've built out
1: so what eXp provides, that's just a platform. Anyone can go to eXp World, get the virtual training. What we do over here is on a daily basis, me and our business partner spend an hour every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, three days of the week, my business partner does one hour of agent hour, which is in person at the office. Team members, realtors from organization come in and we have an open discussion, how the market is doing, how we, how we can be more productive. Twice a week, on Tuesdays and Fridays, I do virtual coaching sessions. On Tuesdays, I coach new or newer agents. Fridays, I do a coaching session for experienced agents. So on a weekly basis, we have multiple opportunities to engage with the team members, engage with the organization, both virtually and person, because the more engagement we have, we're not teaching them how to write a contract. That can be outsourced. That can be done. But when someone asks you the question, how is the market doing? interest rates are going up. How should I pivot, whether should I buy a home, not buy a home. Those are the kind of dialogues and engagement we have with the team members that gets them in the mindset that, you know what, when they're at a networking event or an open house, when they're thrown that question about, hey, I think I'm gonna wait off, not buy a home today because interest rates are going up. How do you handle those objections? So it's more of live training, coaching, mentorship that we provide that gets our team members exponential success.
0: Love it. So what is first-generation mindset? Fantastic. I'm
1: glad you asked that. So I'm a first-generation American. I came to U.S. about 20, 21 years back. And there's one thing in common where when you first come to America with a whole lot of nothing, we do whatever it takes to be successful. I'm not sure whether your father, your grandfather, somebody in your family came to the U.S. at some point of time. So in, in, intuitively, you would think first-generation is all about being the first one to come to America. But first generation mindset applies to everyone under the sun. You could be the first one in your family to go to college, first one in family to be an entrepreneur, first one in family to quit your job, first one in family to go from small town to big town. Now, as you flourish, and let's just say your father, your grandfather was the first one to go to college, Richie, I can promise you, they would have finished their college in four years and they would have known what their major was very quickly. Now, if today your college education is being funded by the government or your daddy's paying for it, you may take four or five or six years to finish your graduation. You may not even know what your major is because you take it for granted. So first generation mindset is about taking nothing for granted, waking up every morning and saying, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be successful. It happens very common, Richie, when a business owner passes on the business to their kids or grandkids. They will never work as hard as a father did or grandfather did to start their business. So first generation mindset is about waking up every morning and saying, you know what, what am I gonna do today to bring excellence, a success, not just to me, and my family, but to my kids and grandkids?
0: I really like that. So so do you teach that? Like, is there is there a, like a um, a curriculum or a way that you teach that with your staff and your team members?
1: So I don't have a former curriculum, but you know I'm the kind of person, I'm fired up, motivated 24 seven. I'm not sure what happened, but when I was born Richie, I was born with batteries included. I can run all day long. Some I've never people, heard that one before, but I like it. <laughs> but some people need to be wired up, pushed at all times. So when I'm engaging with my prospects, my team members, people I like coach and mentor, I instill the values of being hungry, being motivated, being driven at all times. And, I, and I, the message around that is you got to have the first generation mindset, have the stride for excellence on a daily basis. So I don't have a, a set program or character yeah. to teach on, but it's the concept. It's a message that take nothing for granted on a daily basis.
0: I really like that. Um, do you do anything specifically with your team or like put it up somewhere or, you know, because stuff fades like fast. Um, So how do you keep that message front and center?
1: Sure. So I'm in the process of building on this message, building on this platform. I'm in the process of writing a book called The First Generation Mindset. I have a podcast called First Generation Mindset. So it's in an early phase of building. But my mission in life is this. I can go anywhere in the world, talk to anyone. And by asking some basic questions, I will find very quickly that they were the first one to do something, whatever that may be. And I challenge them and ask them, what made you give up on that vision, that mission, or that dream? Or what did your dad do? What did your grandfather do? And what are you doing today that's different from you being complacent versus being aggressive? So you know, in time, my vision, my vision and mission is that I want to travel the world and talk to people, talk to organizations, and help them get more success.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and, and a lot of it, I'm assuming, would be implementing what you've done in your office. Is that Correct. right? Correct. Got it. I like that, how every single day there's something. Correct. So so walk me through kind of um, your your leadership approach. Like what's your approach to to leadership? I mean, you got a lot of people on your team. Do you have a, a simple, um, not simple, but do you have like a system or a philosophy that you use around leadership and, and yeah.
1: Happy to answer that for you. So, you know, everyone wants to be a leader. You can be a leader at home, leader at work, leader at church, some people have excellent leadership skills. Some people are not wired to be leaders. So step one happens is you got to know the best about yourself. If I know my strengths, my weaknesses, I can put myself in position of leadership or hire resources around me who can help support my vision or mission. So I use a tool called DISC profile, D-I-S-C profile. Yeah. D stands for driver, high, I is interactive, S is stabilizer, and C is cautious. We all, everyone in the world has an element of B, I, S, and C. Some people are high Ds, some are high I, some are high S, and some are high Cs. My profile is on a scale of one to 100, I'm a 99 D. I'm a 99I. I'm super aggressive, I'm outgoing, I'm not sure to talk to people, and I take a lot of risks. Somebody who's high S, high stabilizer, and high C, extremely cautious people, before they take a step, take a action item, they will evaluate, over-evaluate, do all the due diligence, and then take action. I take high risk. So to be a leader in any organization, first, you gotta know your strengths, how you're wired. Now, I'm not saying there's only one leadership style which can lead to success in the organization. However, knowing your style, and if you are the leader of the company, and if you are, let's just say, high S and high C, find somebody in the market who can complement your skills and bring them in a position of success within an organization to offset what you're not good at. So I'm a super high DI. My business partner, my brother-in-law, Sonnet, he's a 99-99 SE, complete opposites. So when you ask me, hey, Kunal, what do you want to do today? I'm a direct. Here's what I want to do. You want to go out for lunch? Yes, I want to go out for lunch, and that's exactly what I want to eat. My wife, the same thing. She's a high SC. You ask her, she says, honey, whatever you want to do. So to build an organization you gotta have resources that are aligned with your growth strategy if you're a company that's an accounting firm that has for people doing the same thing over and over again as a leader you gotta hire people who are high s and high c if i'm a sales organization i gotta hire people who are high I's. they're not shy to talk into anyone so to answer your question organizations are built around leaders but beyond that, you got to first have the underlying understanding of your leadership team skills, their strengths, and build around that. When those building blocks are put in the right position of success, then the organization becomes unstoppable.
0: Yeah. So is that the first thing you do with your, when someone joins your team? You have them go through that?
1: Absolutely. And I'll tell you my story. When I made the team in 2014, if you are a licensed realtor, I said, come on in. Doors are wide open. Come join my team. I realized over the years, while they would say one thing, but they were not motivated or driven. Fewer said, I believe in 2017, we started adapting the disk profile strategy to evaluate resources. So now when we recruit people, I really do not care how many homes they have sold, how much commission they've earned, or how many years they've been a realtor. As long as they're self-driven, self-motivated, and they're coachable, I recruit them. In fact, I prefer if somebody is green and new to the business because I can mold them to be successful. Again, success to me means if you're part of my team, my organization, you are going to earn at least, if not more, $100,000 every year. So to me, this profile has become a piece of foundation where I'm hiring a realtor, an admin, or a runner. In fact, what's funny is, Richie, I've done the disc profile for my mom for my dad and for my wife and knowing what drives them what motivates them is so critical because then i'm able to communicate with them more effectively
0: yeah i mean i think it's uh it's definitely something i've heard of before i've actually went through the the disc before and then i forgot about it (laughs) um but it is definitely an an interesting way to look at 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 people's strengths and weaknesses and and where you can apply and put them in the right position um so I'm really interested in, in, in regards to what you've done to grow your team. Can you share with me what, what you've done to get from you know, zero, let's say 2013, right. to almost you know, what, 140 people?
1: Right. So one is growth of the company. One is growth about your production. But at the end of the day, everyone has a why or a because. Why do you do certain things? For me, Trichi, it's all about leading a legacy for my kids. And I came to U.S., 20-plus years back with a whole lot of nothing. To me, success is not money in the bank, but when I'm gone in 10, 20, 30, 40 years, people need to remember who Kunal Seth was in the Texas market, how he impacted the real estate industry and what contributions he made over the years. So it's all about leaving a legacy. Now, when you want to leave a legacy, it's not about just increasing a production, but that's part and parcel of your growth strategy. So for me, I have a philosophy that before you ask for something from someone, give value to them first. When you become a valued partner in a transaction, in a relationship, or in a in a, in a business transaction, then you're valued as a business partner. When the time is right, the favor return back to you. So I'll give you my one-on-one, our, our, our secret sauce for success. So Houston has 50 to 60 thousand licensed realtors and the barrier of getting your license is relatively low you can get your license in a month or two months so when i was new in the industry in houston i case studied all the top realtors and brokers in the texas market and richie they had one thing in common they had preferred status with builders and houston has a lot of new constructions new developments happening so what happens is every builder developer has a sales office where the sales team says buyers come in, they say want to buy a home, and then they ask the question, "Okay, do you have a home to sell?" And then they ask the question, "Are you working with a realtor?" And if they're not, they refer those buyers to the preferred realtor partners. So when I case studied about five or seven realtors in Houston teams, that one thing in common they had preferred status with builders. So I said, "Wow, I want a piece of that action. I want to be a preferred realtor with these builders." So in Texas, where I live there is a plan community, which back in 2014 was number one selling community in Texas, number five or six in the country. So I had a business plan strategy. What I was gonna do in the first year to get a market share of selling new construction homes in that community. And that meant I was working 24 seven. If I was not in the Remax office, Richie, I was in the model home. I was walking through homes that were under construction, walking through inventory homes. You know, doing all the dirty work to learn the product line, learn the plans, learn the incentive, learn all those things. Every Saturday, Sunday, I would do an open house. I would put up 50 to 60 open house signs throughout the community with my branding on it. Buyer comes in, I would take them from my open house to the model home. When I would walk in, I would tell the salesperson, my client is looking for this style home, these base square feet. I believe you have this floor plan that's going to work with them. What lot can they build on? So I was demonstrating value. Now, in about seven, eight months, builders started taking note of my success, my team's success. You know what? There's a company called Taylor Morrison Home, Darling Home, these are national builders. They said, you know what, Seth Brothers, we're gonna make you preferred. When buyer comes in, wants to buy a home, they have, aren't working with the realtor, we'll give you that referral. So over the years, numerous builders have partnered with us. Mm-hmm. When I got tons of referrals from these builders, now there's differences. Most realtors want success today. They don't have the patience to get paid in six months or 10 months. Because when I sell a brand new home, Richie, I may get paid in six months or 10 months or 12 months based on how long it takes to build the home.
0: Right. It's way most, different. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, most
1: people want to get paid today, That's why they push on selling re- resale homes. So that's why having a strategic growth plan, a vision that what's going to create long-term success of creating business-to-business partnership is where our production went from 20 million in 2014 to almost 70 million in sales volume in 2018. And last year, 2021, our team closed 151 million in the Houston market. So the production went up, but out, not as you keep going up, you need resources, you need team members to service those clients. service so That's why there's also a need for growing the organization, but recruiting agents is one thing, but again, adding value to them, training yeah. them, mentoring, that's why the market share success only happens when you're building a your company with the right resources and having that partnership with builders and developers. Was he able to answer your question, Richie?
0: Yeah, yeah. So your, your approach was instead of reselling, reselling homes, it was the new, the new homes, which was is not as saturated, and you were able to come in and, and build relationships. So as you did that, you were getting lots of referrals coming in, but all but now you need you need help. So how did you go from there to Starting to build a team because it's not just agents too. You probably need like other outside help, no? Or is it just agents?
1: So first thing we did was we hired an admin to do all the paperwork, do all the documentation, do all the non-money making activities. Then we recruited four or five agents in year one, and these were all brand new agents who had not been in the business. We trained them, coached them. You know what? Here's why you should sell new construction homes. Here's why you'll get success over there. no bad habits. No bad habits. But they had a common roadblock. Kunal, you know, you want me to sell a new construction home, but I'm not going to get paid for six months, eight months. As a business owner, I had to handle that objection. So what we came up with, Richie, was if a team member sold a brand new home that was going to close in six months or eight months, and let's just say commission was going to be $10,000, I would give them an advance every month so that they have money to pay their bills. And when the transaction closed, I would chew up and make the money over there. But giving an agent financial success that's aligned with long-term vision of both of the company is a strategy. Yeah. If, I, if I recruit somebody and say, go sell new construction home. And they would say, oh, man, I need money now to pay my bills. If I sell new construction, I'm not going to get paid for six, eight months. There won't be a line." So again, we had to have a game plan. So that's why our recruitment strategy aligned with our vision. And as we brought more and more people, when we had a bigger workforce, a builder would say, Kunal, I'm actually out for this weekend. Can one of your team members sit in the model home and talk about product line? Well, we, of course we would do that, but in return, we would get so many leads, so many referrals from buyer walking through those doors.
0: Yeah. So how did, so I liked that strategy of, of paying upfront um, or, or spacing it out over the period of time. Um, so how did you, how do you go about your coaching, because you, you've mentioned a few times that you're coaching them, and I know you had those five. You have the five sessions. What's your kind of process when it comes to coaching your team members? Do you do it weekly, daily, um, individually, or group in a group session? What does that kind of look like?
1: So currently, I'm doing you know, all of the above. So I do group sessions. I do I do individual sessions. I do sessions in person. I do sessions in you know, over Zoom. I'm the kind of person coaching somebody or pushing somebody gets me fired up. Some people wake up in the morning, they gotta have the coffee to get going. For me, it's about bringing clarity to somebody else gets me going. So I'm very direct leadership style person, where there's no BS around me. When somebody says, I wanna do something, I ask them a lot of probing questions, evaluate their why, what the drivers are, what the roadblocks, and that happens because Richie, in my previous life when I was in corporate America, I was an auditor. So I'm wired to ask a lot of questions and dig deep and figure out the root cause for the problem. So now you audit people. I audit people. And what that helps is most people are not even clear about their vision, their mission in life. Well, when they engage with me, I build up blocks. Okay, let's evaluate. Why are you in this business? What's important to you? What's your driver? For some people, it's, I just want to make a lot of money. For some it is, I want recognition. Some of them it is, I just want to provide for my family. So once I know their wise, then I evaluate certain growth strategies that align to bring more success to their wise. And I love doing that. I can do that
0: 24-7. Got it. Do you do it? Do you, do you find that you have to do it all the time with each person or you only need to do it one time? Oh, you
1: know what? I wish somebody would, would teach someone to be physically fit but you got to have a personal trainer, a coach that coaches you on a regular basis. So, the way I function, Richie, is I have group sessions and I seek commitment from these resources on a regular basis. If somebody's regularly showing up for my group sessions and they're committing to their own success, following through and doing things I direct them to do, then I pull them away and do one on one sessions with them. So, my philosophy is I will be as micromanaging you. Or as macro managing you based on your needs. Some of my team members, they just need to be talked to them once a month. Some of them need constant push, constant coaching. So adapt my coaching style based on their needs. But I would say, no matter what level they're in, everyone needs constant touch point. But I would say, at a minimum, I talk to everyone once a month
0: and now is that a whole was it 240 or 140 i can't remember i think it's 100 we have 198 people in the organization 237 so do you meet with those 240 there's no way you can do that right do you have like a, a whole like setup that you have and for those, to-
1: what i do with richie is i do more of virtual coaching training with them even are in my on my team or physically in my office i meet with them combination of in person or zoom but here's a great part I am not the expert in everything. So I also believe that there are certain skill sets that I have and certain skills that I do not have. So I outsource strategies. I bring in subject matter experts to join on those calls, join those sessions, and then help my team members, organizational people to get better. So I have an understanding of social media marketing and branding, but I'm not the expert. But if I have a resource who's good at that, I bring them in to add the value to the team members.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. So you'll you're you, you bring you'll bring outside resources. Got it. Got it. What, what have you found that's really like helped you the most? What do you feel like when it comes to outside, outside resources where you're like, wow, this has made a huge impact on me? I think me. exposure
1: is the biggest thing. And most people don't take the time and effort, energy to get exposure to people or to opportunities. So I believe you know exposure comes from attending events, attending conferences or being around the right people. And in 2021, while we were dealing still with COVID, I went for 25 to 30 conferences outside the state of Texas. Oh wow. Every opportunity I got. This month, I've already gone for two. I have another one coming up next month, next week. Now, when I go for this conference, I'm looking at leaders at the conference, engage with them, talk with them, learn from them. What I learned, I come back and apply in my business, share with my team members, share with the organization. So secret sauces, most people get complacent. Oh, I reached that level. I know it all. I don't need any more knowledge base. But getting trained, coached, mentored is truly the best way to get and get more success.
0: You don't know what you don't know. Correct. And also you don't know what you're, like a lot of people, Most people can't see their own potential either. So if you don't have any outside forces, you're only stuck to what you believe. And it's usually much smaller than reality.
1: Correct. You can't see the picture by being inside the picture. You have to step outside, look at the frame from outside and then see the picture. That's where having an outside force, outside mentor or coach who can see the big picture, what you're doing, what you're not doing and how you are doing in terms of other leaders in the organization on the market, that's what outside perspective is so critical. That's why being coached and mentored is critical. So what's your next play? What's my next play? So I believe that you know, as a licensed realtor, I tell all my clients that, you know what? Do not lease, do not rent, own your own home. Why pay somebody else's mortgage? So three years back, the space I'm sitting in right now, we leased about 7,000 square feet space in Houston area. We pay almost $17,000 a month. Seven, rent. Well. Right? That's a lot of money, but then we have business partners, we have lender, home insurance, home warranty, people who are in my physical office and they pay us rent. But two and a half years back, I bought a parcel of land in Houston, about 1.1.25 acre. I'm currently building a 22,000 square feet building in Houston. This building is gonna be ready by October of this year. It's a $10 million project. And the way it's designed, it's a three-story building. Now, as a commercial investor or a landlord, we are wired to maximize the leasable space. Every square foot, every square inch. How do I put more space to lease to tenants? My vision is different. On the first floor, it's designed just for events, just for activities. There is no leasable space. It's an amenity space. Second floor, third floor has 8,200 square feet on each floor. Our vision is in each on each floor, we'll have a collaborative space set up. I'm not going to lease. 3000 square feet space to a lender title company, but I'm going to set up 12 by 12, 12 by 14 individual offices. And as a partner with lender, home warranty, home inspection, anyone who's in this business, I'll tell them, you know what, come join my space, be in my space. Let's have a collaborative environment because when I bring in realtors or clients in, you can extract success from them. So next big play for me is you know, being a commercial space owner of 22,000 square feet space, make this as the headquarters for coaching, training, mentorship, bring traffic through and bring mutual success.
0: I love it. And you're going to do the same thing. You're going to do the week, you know, the three calls, your partner, you're going to do yours, but you could do them live with like, in
1: fact, our vision also is to have a radio station in our space on the radio station. We'll have, you know, daily talk shows and daily, all that. I also have vision that I've set up a space for, I know a video, video setup where you can do a video conference, not video conference, but you know like a live TV show with anchor sitting, have a talk show. So again, those are part of the vision and the next three, six months, we put those pieces in place because the more people who drive through the building, drive to the space, the more collaboration we get. I truly believe Richie, everyone wants to be successful. And the only way to be successful is to be known. If you are known, some will like you, some will dislike you. The ones who like you, some will trust you, some will not trust you. Now, when you are known, liked and trusted, that's when you get business. But to get known is not easy. I mean, what you do for a living, you know, your podcast is a platform for you to get known. Radio station, ad campaigns, social media, the more known we are. So that's why having the physical space will get us more known in Texas market. Drive people through. And then in one year, five years change, who cares? we're going to get success from those people coming through our doors.
0: I like that. Is that, is that the greatness factory thing that, that talks about? Okay.
1: Yeah. So I have, we have hired a business coach. His name is Michael Burt. He's based in Tennessee. He's a championship women's championship basketball coach. He's been a coach for the last four or five years and coach, Burt has this concept of greatness factory.
0: Really? It's really smart.
1: Yeah, where we manufacture greatness, it's collaborative space. So currently my office, we have 7,000 square feet space. You can see back over there, you've set up about 3,000 square feet space as the greatness factory. We coach, we train, we mentor. So when we get to a space in next six months, we're going to have a floor set up the same way.
0: I like that. So do you think that the future of like, you know, office space in general is going to be single offices?
1: Absolutely. Yes. So why, at- why
0: is that? Do you think that's just because it's, uh, there's going to be less big businesses, more small businesses, less employees, more entrepreneurs? I'll
1: answer that for you. So if you look at some trends, the most search criteria on Google right now is not, can I quit my job? It's how do I start my own business? More and more people want to be their own business owners, entrepreneurs today. Now, when I'm a new business owner entrepreneur, I don't have the financial means of getting a big leaseable office space. Right. I have a you know, office, have a conference room, have a training room. The, the collaborative space, when you look at WeWorks or you look at Regis or you look at one of these, they have collaborative space. You rent an office, but there's no collaboration. The future lies in having close proximity to leaders in your market. Close proximal people who are like-minded as you. This is where people coming into a space where they may have their own office, twelve by twelve, but the amenity space have multiple multiple conference room, yeah, break room, training room, collaborative space. They have ping pong table, foosball, whatever it may be. That the energy level stays high. I would rather go into that space than lease four or five thousand square feet space have all the obligations. And then, you know what, what if market shifts again? COVID, nobody knew what was going to happen. Because right, of COVID. Right. So now business owners are saying, you know what, I don't need 4,000 square feet space. I need two offices and right. the rest is amenity space. So when we committed $10 million in this project, it was not an easy decision, but we believe we had the right strategy for long-term growth.
0: So, you know, that's an interesting thing. And I think it's, a, it's an interesting concept that you're talking about. Do you think that's, that's, that, that, you know there's this big thing to starting your own business. Do you think anybody can do that? You think anybody can start their own business?
1: Everyone has the opportunity to start their own business. But, but, not- is that,
0: but do you think everybody's made like there's a lot of people that are getting into it now. And when this recession comes, they're just gonna get destroyed. Do you agree with that or do you think that it's just a trend? Like what what are your thoughts on that?
1: My thoughts are everyone should follow the passion. Being a business owner does not mean you're doing it to make money or to get exponential success so you can quit your job. If you're passionate about painting, right, and you have a full nine-to-five job, but if you paint as a passion and that becomes your side hustle to sell your artwork with somebody, that's being a business owner. That's being So Everyone has a skills or the mindset to start their own hustle, start their own business. However, not everyone has the mindset or skills to make their only source of income or a living. Hmm. Anyone can start a business, but to make that only source of income, that's a roadblock. Most people think, oh, it's easy. I'm gonna start a business. I'm gonna quit my job and get exponential success. Not everyone can do that. Being a business owner is not easy. Most people are nice people. Being a business owner, you have to hire, you have to fire. You have to have compensation model. You have to be tough. You have to hold people accountable. And if you're too nice a person, it's tough being a business owner. Every day you have to make tough decisions. Someone does not perform, they have to be held accountable. And if you're a nice person, you're like, it's okay. When you say it's okay, you're saying, right, you're saying the wrong tone within the company. So I tell everyone who comes to me, hey, I want a business owner. I ask them a key question. Do you want to be liked by everyone? And most people say, yes, I want people to like me. I want the validation. And I tell them, you know what? Go sell some ice cream. Everyone loves the person who sells ice cream. You want to be a business owner? They're going to be a bunch of people who are going to hate you, dislike you because of your leadership skills, or you're being direct, or you know what? Fighting them. Are you prepared for that? If not, being a business owner is not for you.
0: Do you, think it's, do you think it's a good thing, though, that like there's this this huge rush of people starting businesses? Like, Do you think that's a good thing for society, or do you think this is a... A, a, a rude awakening is coming.
1: I think it's a, I, I think it's a positive thing. And I, and I can say that because, you know, where I come from in India, we have few professions that you follow. You either become a doctor, engineer, or you do your MBA. I mean, even back at home, if I said I was a realtor, my profession would be looked down upon. What I love about U.S., Richie, is that you could have passion for anything. Passion for art, passion for cutting hair, passion for anything and you can make a living out of that. So I be, truly believe COVID-19, virtual setup, working from home has a lot of people to think more. They have more free time. They're not spending time on the road going from point A to point B. So I truly believe everyone should follow the passion, whatever it may be. Now, don't be fooled. Just because your passion does not mean it'll get you to earn the right amount of money or, or earn a living. So some people are gonna have the rude awakening. They're gonna be shaken down. They thought they're gonna get success, but they're not. In our industry, Richie, as a licensed realtor, you can get your license in a month or less. No most people think, entry. you know what? I'm gonna be a realtor, and be successful. No, you're not gonna be successful unless you have business plan, strategy, you know, right-mindedness because most people in our market make 30, $40,000. That's not adequate money to live your life or to pay your bills. You, you've been making more money in corporate America. So to answer your question, Richie, yes, a lot of people are becoming business owners, entrepreneurs, and most of them are gonna get root awakening, but I would still encourage them to give it a shot, give it a try. What's the worst that can happen? Their knowledge base, their college degree, the work experience are never gonna be taken away. So if you be an entrepreneur and you are not successful, you can always go back and get your job back or based on education, get another degree or find another job.
0: Yeah. okay, cool. No, I like it, I appreciate it, man. Um, is there anything else that you would, would like to share here before closing?
1: I think it's all about people knowing their true drivers and true self, you gotta learn more about yourself before you lead other people. And most people make that mistake that I am a realtor, next I'll be a team lead, next a broker owner. You may not have the skills or mindset to be leading people. So do a evaluation. That's why the disc profile is a great tool You know what Craigslist is, Richie?
0: Yeah, of course.
1: You know what Carfax report is? Yes. If ever you did buy a car from Craigslist, you would never buy it without getting Carfax report. Is that a fair statement? Definitely. This profile is a Carfax report for humans. It's that powerful. So if I'm looking to build my business, hire people, hire resources, I gotta do the best profile. I do that for myself first. So I would say the biggest takeaway I tell people listening to podcasts today is, no matter what stage you're in, whether you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or you employed somewhere, you are working with people around you at all times. Get to know yourself, get to know them. Once you know yourself and them better, the results you'll get from them will be exponential.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Uh, where can people find you?
1: So I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. So my first name is K-U-N-A-L. Last name Seth, S-E-T-H. You can PM me on Facebook or you know, hit me up on Instagram. My vision is to impact more and more people at a global level.
0: Yeah, I love it, man. And I know you will. So if you're interested in real estate and becoming a real estate agent, um, definitely, definitely connect with Kunal. Um, what he's built is is really cool. And if you want support and coaching in that industry, um, then there's nowhere else that you should go. So, uh, Kunal, thank you so much for being on the show. He also has a book, The First Generation Mindset, that will be coming out. So, um, depending on when you're listening to this, you should check it out, or just connect with with Kunal to make sure that. Uh, you're able to to get it when it when it does go live. So Kunal, thank you so much for, for being on the show.
1: Thank you, Richie. Thanks for your time today. Absolutely.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Next Play Podcast. If you liked the show, make sure to leave us a review. For more resources, visit relentlessuniversity.com or download the free Relentless University app. And if you're interested in having me speak at your next event, visit relentlessrichie.com. Until next time.